we've got um Hello, hello, Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. Also doing this live on a Wednesday evening. So, as always, want to thank our sponsor, Louisiana Hot Sauce, and the good people at Tarpon Cellars. A little hot sauce, a little great red wine. You're uh, two thirds of the way to a fantastic meal. There, TarponCellars.com is the website. Knollcast is the coupon code for twenty percent off any purchase. And a big thanks to Jeremy and his team for making podcast and youtube streams and all the other uh media that uh this this podcast umbrella falls under possible so bud let's uh get into it tonight got some good recruiting updates positive stuff um on the horizon uh, at least in a couple places in our opinion uh a new commitment that we can talk about some and uh, play a little bit of a florida state-based game called change my mind so Got uh, some good things queued up for you guys tonight, and uh, let's jump right into it. Yeah, man. Uh, also, welcome to Notification Gang. Obviously, everybody has notifications turned on. They subscribe, they turn notifications on, and sometimes we do these without any social media, and uh, I, I kind of think of it as a reward, right? For people who have notifications on, it's pretty cool because you get to see us do this thing live. If you don't catch us live or if you catch us you know, on podcasts, we really appreciate that. As well, the numbers continue to grow, and we are super stoked about that, obviously. Uh, although, credit, we did this for a long time without making any money on it. So, uh, it's always been, you know, more like it's a business, but it's also still a, you know, a, a passion. So, all right. Uh, also, shout out to the Canes fans in the comments section. A lot, a lot of Canes fans tonight. Uh, YouTube doesn't really think of your view as any different than FSU fans do. So, that's fantastic. Uh, we know y'all exist on the internet mostly. And uh, so we're really glad that you are spending some of your time <laughs> on our show. Uh, any word on Destin Hill? Uh, I got nothing there. I think with every passing day, my belief that he's going to get in fades just a little bit more. Let's uh, let's talk some positive stuff. So FSU picked up a defensive back transfer from Jacksonville State. I don't really know that we need to spend time on that. I'm not trying to do you know an hour and 45 minute podcast. He's going to be a depth piece. I think it'll be a special teams piece. Guy tackles pretty well. Coverage-wise, we'll have to see. Okay, maybe, maybe not. But I've been hearing pretty good things about the secondary in camp anyway, so I think that he's probably just a depth piece at this point, right? Um, it's an interesting take. I was somewhat happy to see uh, Auburn throw out a last-minute offer there as well for him, just if you need some kind of validation or whatever else. Uh, based on other staffs, but it was good to see him get a little bit of a, another larger offer from more of kind of a pure football program of, of uh, Florida State. But yeah, we'll see. You know, uh, I don't know that we'll talk about him a whole lot tonight. I don't know that we'll talk about him a whole lot in general. Hopefully uh, he'll make some large play that we can uh, talk about in an instant reaction podcast or something like this. But I think it's just a little bit of a, uh, you know, Hail Mary on a final scholarship and a uh, you know, real, real low floor, uh, type of um, play. And, uh, 
you know, that's all that I really have on that. I don't think either of us going to spend a ton of time talking on that one. Um, all right. So they picked up Jabril Rawls, corner defensive back out of, out of Pensacola. Long kid. FSU likes long players. I've watched his film. They obviously like his testing numbers. FSU is big on the data. Obviously, so are we at 24-7 Sports and everybody like the, is in the industry. So they, they, they must like what he ran on the catapult. Uh, I don't know exactly what he ran, but uh, I do know that they, internally they, they keep pretty hard data on that. He looks a little bit stiff to me, so I, I'm not 1 million convinced, like 1 million percent convinced that he's a just absolutely a corner long-term, uh, but this staff does pretty much recruit guys who, for the most part, have some potential to play corner, and then if they can't play corner, they'll move him to safety. But, yeah, like, I, I don't know, man. I'm not super excited about this one. Uh, I think if you got Avery Stewart, do you take this kid? Maybe, maybe not. I think the staff is pretty good with their evaluations overall. If you look at their hit rate, I think it's been decent so far as far as not having a whole lot of busts. Uh, of course, not a ton of super upside players either, which is the downside of not doing a great job recruiting to this point. A lot of that's out of their control, obviously, with a you know, transition class and a COVID year. But yeah, I I think it's fine. I There's some players in this class that I... If you wanted to be on FSU staff and argue with me that these guys are underrated, and I've had those conversations, I I can buy it. So I don't always agree. This is not one that people are reaching out and saying, "Hey, like this kid's way underrated." So, yeah, he's a he's a top one thousand kid. I think he's in the high nine hundreds, if I recall correctly. Not somebody that like in a month, I think you're going to see bumped up to four eighty or something like that, which is what you're saying. There's there's not some massive. Uh, Delta in the ranking that's about to occur based off uh, lack of familiarity or, or anything else. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a reach. It's, you know, we've talked a lot. You, you want to see Florida State kind of realistically living in this 100 to 400 type range and and to have them kind of be that the neighborhood uh, to quote uh, or to paraphrase the, the great Jim Phillips uh, as to where you live and where you draw from. Uh, but, you know, this is a, a further play. Uh, look, is geography a massive big deal now? But if it's a opportunity to get a good kid out of Pensacola that you think is a has a little bit of a higher upside, then that's great. But uh, this one, you know, a uh, little bit of skepticism there. But uh, awful lot of time and a good raw athlete for uh, for Rawls to prove us wrong. They're also not a team that that has a whole lot of early playing time to offer at corner, unless you're just a total stud. Look what AZ Thomas is doing. Duke Cooper has at least another year in school, right? Just by by rule, he can't go to the NFL after his sophomore season. I don't think Kevin Knowles is an early entry threat. So you, you do have, have quite a few guys here that I think they're high on on this roster who should be okay, but they do need to keep racking up depth. He did lose Avery Stewart to Kentucky. Look, I mean, if Kentucky wants to pay, you know, what the word on the street is, if he's like their top kid in their class or one of them, okay. Like you have to, if you are not FSU, because FSU can't be involved, of course, with NIL. But if you are, let's say, Rising Spear, right, you have to have some kind of plan for what maybe you might be paying these kids because you can't, you know, do it before they get on campus because it would be an inducement. But you have to sort of have a, a number in your head as to if this kid was this good, maybe he would make this much money with his social media presence once he got on campus. And, uh, 
if the number doesn't fit, you have to kind of let them walk. And uh, I, I think FSU right now is smartly kind of uh, trying to focus some of their stuff on the studs. And they may have some studs in this team that they need to re-sign long-term to NIL deals coming up as well. So are you getting, uh, you getting echo or are we getting, you're, you're looking kind of concerned here. Did I, did I mess something up? Something, uh, our connection was very poor or something for a second there. Uh, okay. I'm not sure exactly what occurred. Uh, I don't think it was on my end, but, uh, and not that it matters, but that was bizarre. Anyway. Yeah. We, we said at the moment that we didn't think that it was, uh, you know, if you're speaking, of course, in hypotheticals, that it was worth kind of matching where Kentucky took that. Uh, NIL is going to be interesting. There's going to be opportunities for some of these schools to, you know, grab kids uh, that, you know, maybe aren't quite as highly evaluated at, at larger institutions. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, if, if we're going to praise them at the time, I don't think we can turn around and be particularly critical of them that maybe you went and uh, reached a kid like this because of it. You know, you only got so many resources to play with and uh, you got to use them as as wisely as possible. Agreed. Um, Okay. So somebody who I think would be wise to use some resources on. And of course you guys can visit risingspear.com. We had Matthew Quigley on to explain the rising fear program, both the gold and the garnet, you know, one being a nonprofit, one being a, helping out your actual business. Uh, if you want to play in this space, you want to sign five stars or guys who not a five star yet, but you know, rank 26th in the country, like a high Keen Williams, you're probably going to need to do a lot of things, right? You're going to not, you need to have a guy who connects with him. He does seem to like Ron Dugan's quite a bit. You're going to need to have a nice year on the field. We'll see if FSU can do that. You'll need to have a proof of concept. We'll see if that happens. Uh, but we told you on this podcast Pay attention to the visits. Where do kids go during the very limited open visit period at the end of July? Because there's not a lot of time to visit multiple places. Now, a couple of kids hit like, you know, one school on a Friday and then another school on, on a Saturday. But uh, what school got Hakeem Williams, the really, really highly rated receiver at a Stranahan who's a stud, to visit for multiple days? Florida State did. And we told you, if that happens, it's on. It's a, it, 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 it's a serious deal. They got them up there. They did what they had to do. You got to play the game. And uh, now, I, I mean, don't take my word for it here. Let's go to Andrew Ivins, who I don't think anybody covers South Florida and the Southeast better than he does. Just tremendous asset to our organization at 24-7 Sports, a buddy of mine. Let's go to him on the new uh, Preps to Pros show from the 24-7 Sports YouTube account and listen to what he had to say about this. Yeah, I mean, we're out here in Nashville for the play personnel symposium. Um, you know, me and you doing some networking, so learning some tools of the trades and scouting. And you know, as I'm sitting there listening on to one of the presentations, my phone's blowing up. Um, sounds like Hakeem Williams, five-star wide receiver. You know, we've talked about him at length on this show over the past few months. I think on Monday we talked about his trip to Florida State. I'm hearing he could move up his timeline and actually make a commitment much sooner than we initially thought. I don't think there's a date set just yet, but keep an eye on late September, early October for Hakeem Williams. You know, we have him as a four-star prospect, number 26 nationally, but I think me and you would both agree he is the absolute real deal dude. Uh, Where do things stand? I like my crystal ball right now for the Aggies. I will say this, though, talking to someone inside his camp this afternoon, 
Uh, they pointed to that trip to Florida State. Sounds like Hakeem really enjoyed his time up in Tallahassee. And they brought up the fact that Hakeem's good friend, Omar Graham, linebacker, uh, that uh, FSU took, excuse me, in the 2022 cycle. That's like Hakeem's best friend, and he's up there at Florida State. He went through spring football. Obviously, they're in preseason camp. So Florida State surging. I think Pitt's still in there, and then you can't count out Georgia for Hakeem Williams. But sounds like we might get white smoke from him much sooner than expected. All right, Drew, to follow up on that three-star linebacker. So that's uh, that's encouraging, man. Got to say. I believe the phrase that you used was show me that it's real. Uh, that certainly was uh, was done. He's up there. I certainly, uh, you know, it, Florida State's opinion is that this is kind of trending positively for them. We'll have to see if other staffs, other uh, individuals involved in the recruitment at other schools uh, feel the same way. But it's interesting to hear Ivan's acknowledge and, and the growing trend kind of broadly is that Florida State's become a very real player in this recruitment. So, uh, yeah, it'd be good to get him to move up uh, a commitment. I think all the things that you said that you have to do, you still have to do uh, to be competitive or, or potentially to retain a commitment. But, uh, yeah, this is this is where we said they were placing their, their focus and efforts, and uh, it is, appears to have paid off pretty well so far. So I think Florida State's very soundly uh, one of three and uh, – very possibly the leader in the in the field at this point in time. I agree with you on that. Look, obviously, if you are battling Texas A&M, given what they just did last year with the class, you know, and again, it was not 28 to 30 million. That's crazy. But it was – they're very effective with their collective. They got an effective collective. <laughs> uh, I, I think FSU was playing for keeps in this battle. All right. I'll actually go out and make a prediction. Let's so let's pinpoint end of uh, end of September, right? So, uh, Stranahan's got a buy, so they don't play on the twenty third, which is that that Friday. So, I mean, you could announce like late that week. You know, maybe you do it before the Louisville week. I will predict that if Hakeem announces in September. And FSU has a winning record when he announces that he'll pick FSU. Now, if they're one and two, if they, if they lose it to FSU or to, to LSU and to Louisville, and they'll be underdogs in both those games, in my opinion, then then probably not, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're not really setting yourself up as a team that's taken a big enough step forward on a national stage. You're you're losing to a, albeit very talented, but still first game under new coach. LSU team or a Louisville team that I think you as a program think you're better than. And I think Louisville thinks this is going to be the best team they've had in quite some time. But yeah, that's my prediction. I think that he will verbally commit to them if they have a winning record when he actually commits. Like it, like it a lot. I I think it's, uh, I think this is going well for Florida state. That's all that I can say. And that's all that there really is to say out there until we have more uh, definitive kind of public news, whether that be a commitment, whether it be a acknowledgement of a change of schedule. Uh, yeah, good job. Well done here. Uh, staff's done a good job identifying, building a relationship. And I think this is one of the areas where uh, Hakeem Williams would probably be a, a point of emphasis for Florida State's NIL efforts as well. So uh, yeah. we said you got to choose your battles and, and box clever here. And uh, this is one of the, one of the battles that you want to, you know, 
throw your best jabs and and maybe a right hook even uh, if you legitimately think you got a chance to to win this one. So awesome. Another kid who I've felt good about for quite a long time, but not like locked up good, is linebacker Blake Nicholson, a top two hundred player in the country. I think a real difference maker. We explained how like Derek Ray grew up, you know, with with them. So it's obviously a huge advantage to have. First of all, I think Derek Ray was a really good signing anyway by, by Norvell to help run that department and to kind of get things a little bit more organized and communication improving. But obviously the, him having that connection out there is a, a pretty big deal. Uh, but ask USC how it is to fight Oregon when it comes to last-minute NIL stuff. Uh, ask anybody, man. The everybody division, thought Josh Connerly was going to USC. And then, and then is, they, uh, he took is, a walk down Division Street. Chopping it up out there, definitely. I mean, it is, it is uh, remarkable what they're doing, and and you know we've talked about this before. You've talked about this and acknowledged it. You know, you're uh, you're you're throwing your your last hail mary in, in the effort to trying to win a national championship in, during the during the lifespan of your main benefactor and the guy that's changed that that program. And uh, yeah, they're doing their best. So that's going to be a fun t- thing to watch. Did uh did I say Derek Nicholson? I don't believe you said Derek. No. Oh, okay. Uh, Blake, uh, I don't know. I, I had an I had a note to mention that they once upon a time FSU had a really good linebacker named Derek Nicholson as well, who was very effective, especially when they played Boston College. Pretty uh, good coach uh, in his own right as well. It, working the working the scene there, and uh, a guy that I think you'll continue to hear more about. But yeah, Derek Derek, Derek Nicholson. Ernie Sims, uh, AJ Nicholson, or uh, wasn't that was it AJ? I can't remember what that guy's name was. Anyway, uh, nice linebacking core back there in the uh, in that date and time. That was that was back where like your final kind of elite roster pieces of dynasty talent. You'd still find a couple scattered throughout the defensive side of the ball. And uh, yes, so um, but shall we play a game? I I'm down to play a game. Let's do it. All right, so we're going to play Change My Mind. We've got a couple of different uh, ideas that Bud and I have kind of thrown in here throughout the uh, throughout the past couple of days. Some of these are takes of ours. Uh, some of them are just kind of general talking points among the fan base, if you want to call as much. Um, so I think this will be fun. I enjoy that we've been doing this as long as we have, and, you know, this – Podcast certainly has its own structure and form, but we try to find something different every once in a while, and this should be a a, a good little exercise. All right, so the first one I have picked out here is, like, we hear all this narrative, Jordan Travis going to be a better passer this year, really evolving as a passer. You know, FSU took these receivers, that they're going to throw the ball much better this year. I ain't buying. I mean, not that he's not a better player. I think he probably will be a little bit better passer. I'm just thinking, hey, you, you got some beef up front. Let's run the heck out of Jordan Travis. You know, let, let, let be a run first football team, play hard nose defense, make sure that you're not winning five or six, make, make sure that you're winning seven or eight. Change my mind. Convince me that they should throw the ball around a bunch. Cause a lot of people seem to think they will. And I'm, I don't know if I can get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sample size isn't massive, but uh, I do know that I think they let Jordan throw the ball more than 25 times, four times last year, and you won three of them. Uh, the loss was to Florida. I can't remember the exact teams that you played against, but there weren't any like absolute cupcakes there to totally skew that. Again, you're talking about a four-game set. Uh, 
look, Jordan's arm is better. I, I think Jordan's going to make significant progress. But Jordan, as a throwing quarterback, is not special. Jordan, as a runner, is one of the most dynamic athletes in the country. So you've got to try to balance using him in the most, uh, you know, using his strengths. And uh, if you want to subscribe to the idea that you've got to kind of try to balance his uh, his health with the number of shots that he takes and carries and uh, everything else. And obviously we all know the importance of Jordan Travis, this offense. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to slightly disagree with you. I, I still think this offense is going to be built around, and if it's special, it will be special at times based off the of defense, you know, continual awareness of Jordan's legs and what he can do. Um, but I don't think you're going to veer uh, real far absent, again, absent trying to nurture a guy with a sore shoulder or sore ribs or something like that and completely leave uh, what makes Jordan special. And that is getting him out into space and turning him into a ball carrier. All right. I, I, I think that's fair. Uh, I have one that I think we both were – Somewhat on in, in, in the spring. The comment section is calling you out more for this one than me, but I I can't let, let you take all, all of this. Uh, but I, I'll, I will throw it to you. So Trey Benson is a sketchy take. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, so I had concerns about Trey Benson, and we both did. We both acknowledged him. Uh, yes, I had concerns about uh, his injury pass, but I had real frustrations about uh, the numbers and how we've managed the running back position and, and the fact that you're continually, you know, leaning on uh, on walk-ons or guys from the portal. Now, look, Benson looks like a hit. Benson looks like I was wrong. Great. Uh, that's fantastic. Certainly what I want to be. But, uh, when you have a guy who literally acknowledges you just totally blew up his knee uh, and you're grabbing guys like that and walk-ons, Look, we've talked about some of the limitations of Florida State's recruiting. You're not going to sign top three tackles or stuff like that. But you should be – Florida State should be recruiting better and signing much higher quality high school running backs and getting them into the system and developing them. So I'm wrong on Trey Benson. That's awesome. I hope he is what he looks like and what he sounds like uh, from practice. But I my concerns about the take at the time – I'm not going to waver all that far from. So it uh, looks like we just lost Bud's internet for a second. So uh, I doubt it. I actually think Bud probably just didn't want to claim any criticism or being wrong on Trey Benson. So we just kind of quickly parachuted out of this uh, podcast and video take. So we'll move on to the next one and let Bud come back in when he can uh, tell us that he's right about things again. Obviously, I'm kidding. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> It changed my mind on a topic that uh, the offensive line could actually be worse. So before we get to that one, I will take a brief moment to thank our friends uh, at the legendary team of uh, Chad and Shannon, uh, legendary loans. I want to read a uh, message that I got recently on LinkedIn. And honestly, I get something about this uh, in regards to Shannon about every two weeks, but it's just a reminder of the, quality of people that we've paired with and the responses that more than 450 of our listeners have had uh, working with Chad and Shannon. Rick writes, Ingram, I recently closed alone with Shannon Young and I was recommended by the Nolcast. He works nonstop and answers the phone 24 hours a day. Shannon went above and beyond, locked me in on the lowest rate to save me money 
even before I knew if the contract would go through, he locked me in on a rate prior to a Fed increase, saving me thousands. He was being proactive and he knows his business and thought the rate may increase. He explained this every step of the way. He still notifies me with helpful hints, which I appreciate. Any future purchases will always go through the dream team from me and now and also my relatives. Shannon and I have two things in common. We're both hard workers and we both love the Nullcast. So, uh, Rick, I really appreciate it. Thanks for your kind words about the product that Bud and I do. Uh, and thank you so much for supporting the Nullcast and working with uh, literally the best guy in the industry. So uh, there's there's just yet another testimonial on Shannon. I, like I said, Bud, I get one of those about every two weeks. It's ridiculous. Uh, candidly, I've, I've shared this before. When Bud and I first thought about doing this, I was slightly hesitant only because, look, if you go to the grocery store and you buy a bottle of hot sauce and you don't love Louisiana hot sauce, which Bud and I certainly do, uh, I'll Venmo you two bucks. Okay. That's not a big deal. Everybody's life's going to go on. Uh, working in mortgages and people's biggest purchases of their life. Uh, I wanted to make sure that we had a great partner and Lord, don't we, uh, don't we ever, but we definitely do. Hey, I, 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 I do have a question for you here. So the chat wants to know, uh, what number will it take Trey Benson rushing for, for you to wear a Trey Benson Jersey? I feel like, <laughs> Uh, all right, I'll so, wear a Trey Benson jersey tomorrow. I, I I don't. It's like, I Lord, I don't have anything wrong with Trey Benson. I hope he I hope he runs for three hundred yards in the LSU game. Uh, all right, I will I will wear a jersey that says I was wrong about Trey Benson on the back. Uh, I'm, will you will. will you put that jersey where the blue jersey is in your background now? Absolutely, yes. All right. For so a year, okay. A show I'm not, Whoa! I'm not. I'm not promising for you know, 22 years from now when we're <laughs> old and can't hear each other that I'm gonna have a Trey Benson jersey over my shoulder. But I will. It will be prominently play displayed and displayed with uh, with <laughs> absolute excitement uh, about being wrong on on a kid. All right. So last year, uh, only seven guys ran for 600 yards in conference play in the ACC. What like like do you think what what number would, would get you to buy a jersey and, and, and put it in the frame? Like seven hundred yards in eight conference games, six hundred yards? That's oh I, I thought we had a thousand for the season, but oh a thousand uh, for the if, season. If, okay. If we're doing Perfect. purely conference games, we could do that too. A thousand for the season is is that might be doable, man. Yeah, it might be. I'd love for it. I mean, we don't have a whole lot of thousand yard backs here at Florida State, but uh I would love to see it and credit to the to the kid for uh Recovering from an injury. Special how, many, how many guys ran for a thousand yards last year? Do you think nationally? I, I do not know. In the teen, high teens, fifty-three. You 53? might, you wow. might be buying a jersey, buddy. Wow. Okay. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Uh, absent. Like you, you realize Florida State's. I know you realize this, but Florida State's thousand-yard wrestler rushers are literally like work done. Dalvin Cook, Cam Akers. It, it, it's not, yeah. Now, you know, maybe I'm extrapolating a lot just based off uh, you know, offenses that aren't reflective of this one at all. But this is not an institution that cranks out a thousand yard rushers. Uh, so, hey, let's uh, let's hope I'm wrong. And uh, Greg Allen too, 1983. Okay, well, yeah, I was, but yeah, absolutely. I was right not now. born, but I was uh, depending on the time. I, I came around. On 421, bud. Would have been a 420, baby, but I put my mom into 26 hours of labor. So, uh, you know, just living. 
So you, you, you make sure to give her a card on some flowers on Mother's Day for sure. <laughs> All right. So the chat is keeping the receipts. Uh, when I was doing little uh, little router maintenance, what did we did we get to the next one? The offensive line could be worse. Started to the offensive line. I claim that you actually didn't have a problem. You just didn't want to admit to being wrong on Benson, so you popped out of the <laughs> popped out of the pod real quickly. <laughs> had, had technical difficulties. Uh, All right. and then so, we talked about uh, legendary. So I'm gonna be wrong about this, I think. Right. Like my thought here is generally I was concerned because like Darius Washington obviously not, you know, back to full strength. There's no way he would be given the the date of his injury. And that means it's yet another offseason that he was not able to do, you know, a focus on football related things. Right. I didn't like what, what we saw out of Caden Lyles in the spring. So that gives me some concern. And you already had other guys on, on this list who have had injury stuff in the past. So I still think I'm probably wrong about this because let's say Lyles doesn't really play much better than he did in spring. Is that actually still an upgrade over over what we saw at Marie Smith last year? I think it it probably is. Uh Marie Smith also, you know, got some of his digestive issues fixed and has put on a good bit of weight, which is a really, really big factor. Um so it's hard for me to think they're worse at center. The other thing I was thinking about here is some of these guys that played offensive line last year and how I do think the quality of the backups they've brought in is most likely better than what they had last year. So I think I'm going to amend my take. I I probably need to. I no longer think that there's a a real chance that this offensive line could, in theory, like if everything goes wrong, be worse. Clearly, I wasn't projecting to be worse. I'm just saying like, hey, guys, it's not an absolute lock that they're better, right? Just because we're not dealing with hypothetical injuries. We're dealing with pre-existing injuries, stuff that like you're not banking on them staying healthy. You're banking on them getting healthy. And I don't know, man, maybe I was too negative in that. I possibly could be. I've been accused of that before, but I mean, Brady Scott played 295 snaps for you last year. Baby on Johnson played 360. You know, Maurice Smith, even given his limitations and his real issues, especially like the back stuff latter half of last year, he played 500. Devontae Taylor last year was really kind of a, a, a shell of himself because he was playing injured. He played 520. So, I mean, I think Demetri Emanuel is a better player than Devontae Taylor 2021. I think Devontae Taylor 2020 is probably better than Emanuel is, right? Like, Love Taylor played well for you in 20. This Maurice Smith is better than last year's Maurice Smith. I think Bless Harris is probably better than a, a an injured Darius Washington at times last year. I, I think. I mean, I don't know that for sure. We have to see him play FBS competition. The kid you pulled from South Carolina is probably better than Brady Scott, right? It, it, now, granted, like he had some really, really bad games, so it's sort of it's in there for him to just play terribly. But just pure size tells me, and like the fact that he came into camp relatively in shape mm-hmm. is encouraging. I feel like the the odds of this offensive line is actually worse than last year's, or is is pretty slim. I guess my concern is now going to move to 
is the upside really that much better given that some of the guys that have higher upside are the dudes who are trying to fight their way back from injury, right? Like if you're going to take a massive leap on the offensive line, part of that leap is replacing those backups with just better backups so that you don't have the absolute zeros in there. The other part is actually taking real steps and having guys who are good. I don't know if that happens because Darius missed another offseason, you know, I because Lyles, maybe he can't get back to what he was at one point at Wisconsin. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I, yeah, I, I think my mind has been changed. Like you, you've convinced me in our, our, our texting that like this is going to be a better, a better offensive line. You're, you're, you're absolutely correct on this. I think uh, you've had some nice guys emerge too. I, I think uh, Estes is going to be a quality backup. Uh, you've always been an Estes guy. Yeah, Estes guy. Uh, I like that. And Schrader, I've always been concerned that that injury set him off for a year, and I think that's right. But I think ultimately. Uh, he'll be a significant help on the interior as well. So I, I think you are going to be better. I think your points about, you know, where the ceiling is are valid, but uh, I, I would, you'd have to have a cataclysmic series of injuries, in my opinion, for this to be a worse offensive line at this point. So let's hope that's not something we encounter. Yeah. All right. Um, something I've been pretty consistent in, I, I just because I – talk to a guy who coached him. So I felt like I had a pretty good read on this one, but uh do span is a long-term project. Are you trying, are you going to change my mind on this? Or are you going to tell me he's going to be an impact guy this year? I mean, I know I don't want to use the term impact, but I could certainly say that he's a project. that looks like he's going to arrive a little early. Yeah. I mean, that'd be fantastic. I, I think, and we talked about this, there was a, a pretty, <laughs> Uh, significant and uh, uniformity in belief that if the kid wanted to fully play wide receiver and focus on wide receiver, that the sky was the limit. And uh, I think the idea of quarterback is gone. I'm glad to hear him not talk about emergency quarterback or anything else like that. Kid can play on Sundays at wide receiver. Kid needs to be focused on playing on Sundays at wide receiver and getting checks and getting second contract checks. Um, And, if the if the switch is, has clicked there, like it sounds like it has, like there's been a decent progression from spring to here. And you could be the greatest athlete in the world, but you still probably have to put in work for that to occur in the manner that it has. So uh, I love where we are here. And I think that uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Well, I, I'm, <laughs> it's lion season. I almost convinced myself of a hell of a lie there. Um, yeah, I, I think Project arrives early, and I think he may be even like a focus of your offense in the back half of the year. Will he have more than 15 catches this year? Yes. See, I'm doing intel here for the snap count draft. Like mm-hmm. yeah, thinks he's he's going to be a 15-catch yeah, guy. Uh, how many receivers last year had more than 15 catches for FSU? About four. four. I was going to guess five. Yeah. Yeah. So McLean had 16. Keyshawn Helton had 19. Jayshon Corbin had actually five. Sorry, you're right. Uh, Corbin had tw- 25. Corbin's a running back. So actually, I'm right. Still four. Uh, Ontario Wilson th- had 30 or uh, 23, and Parchman had 24. I. It's hard for me to think that he's going to have a major impact, but at the same time, if you look at what Norvell did at Memphis, I mean, hell, they're lining up Douglas 
on the outside to to run go routes. Yeah. Well, that's why I think this kid's going to get – I mean – They're so desperate for an outside deep threat. So desperate for the Georgia Tech nine-route threat from 10 years ago. The Paul Johnson nine-route threat. That's what this offense needs so desperately, Uh, whether it be Bebe or uh, that other – big kid that they had that he ended up Stephen Hill, I think was got drafted by the the New York jets, but yeah. So I I think that this is a guy that, uh, you know, he may not break that 15 number by much in my opinion, but I think when, when span catches the ball, it's going to be like a 42 yard reception one out of three times or something like that. And he's not going to be catching a lot of six yard slants in my opinion. Will he lead the team in average depth of target? Yes. I, yeah, uh, almost I so, certainly. Too. Yeah. So, like, last year, uh, Partridge averaged 16 air yards per target. I, I I think, like, if we were throwing the ball to do span and it does not travel at least 16 yards in the air, I think there's going to be problems, right? Like, just, I want the ball to travel a long way in the air. Like, let's, let's have that number start with the two. You know, as far, as far as that, like maybe a couple screens could could lower it. Uh, but if they get something out of him this year, it's not going to fully make up for the loss of Winston Wright. I don't know if you saw, did you see the clips of Winston Wright, him in the stretch thing? And then it, I think it got deleted because I went back and looked for it and I, I didn't, I couldn't see it. I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't. I mean, it was I, rough, I just, man. Like, I felt I, really bad for the kids. Yeah, it, I don't. He's nowhere close. He's not, and I, I don't like that conversation in general because, um, yeah, it, it just you'll have people say, "Oh, well, you're you're hating on a kid for not thinking that he's going." It's just an injury, man. You've got to see how he comes back from it. I know that he's uh, turning in all the work possible to do so, but it just he had a horrible car accident, and it is what it is. And uh, hopefully, he can be be somebody that you can feature in the back half of the season as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, I Okay, last thing on, on Deucepan. Does the fact that Deucepan is getting some love and Norvell is really you know, praising him when asked about it, is that any indication that the rest of the receiver room is not that good? Mm-hmm. So I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and he's like, is there anything in the world that you think you can take from the Duquesne game and not to ruin our Duquesne game preview that will do big numbers. Oh, it's going to be epic. Yeah. Epic. Um, I said, can the receivers get separation from anybody? That's the only, because we haven't seen it against any level of competition in so long that that, that and injuries get out of the game healthy and show me that a receiving unit can actually get separation on any level college uh, defensive backs and, those are that's all that I could take out of that game. Uh, look, I don't know, man. We we got hit with the Travis J syndrome last last uh, fall because those guys were just so much better than a bad bad wide receiver unit that uh, you ended up grossly overestimating what you had. Um, I've just got to see the wide receivers prove it and consistently proving it. I, I hate to hear. You know, I, and again, I'm not being critical of a kid. Certainly, when I say this, I think Pittman is a is a better pickup than we gave acknowledgement at the time, or I gave acknowledgement at the time, and I think he's going to do some things for you. But it does bother me to hear that you'll have wide receivers that are real good for three practices in a row, and then somebody turns in a performance 
that is just horrible. Now, look, part of that's sports. Part of that's going through a camp like this where you're tired and it's hot as hell and you're playing football one to two times uh, or football type of activities one to two times a day. Uh, guys aren't machines, but you've got to have a level of consistency at that position that does not turn it into a wild detriment. I mean, you were accurately labeled the 14th of 14th wide receiver units in the ACC last year. That should never happen in a place like Florida State. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So uh, a couple more here. Uh, the pass rush will have a real drop-off. Uh, uh, real is a tough term, but yeah, I mean, it's going to have a drop-off. Jermaine was the 11th overall pick, or whatever he went to the Jets as. I can't remember. Maybe he went a little later in that. But look, go watch the Miami game. Go watch what Jermaine does to that kid and it just acknowledge that that's a guy that we were just wildly fortunate to have. Uh, I'm real high on the defensive ends. I think verse is uh is going to be fun to watch i think uh, briggs is a i think briggs is a all-conference i think he's a second or third team end at the end of the year bud i, I really think a lot of Briggs. but jermaine was jermaine man let's just be let's be honest with ourselves about what we're trying to replace and uh and realize that you could have three guys and i think the kid out of tucker that i've always been fond of and has gotten incrementally better in mcclendon uh but yeah, you ain't replacing a first round pick and not having a, a drop off. Not not this program, not at this point in this program's kind of development arc. No. I agree. I, I again I think this defense actually can be better than it was last year, but it will have to work around having a less effective, reliable pass rush from the front four. They will have to blitz more, they'll have to be more creative, and they will have to be better defensively uh, by having fewer busts and playing better team defense. But, like, there's no Jermaine Johnson or anybody close on this roster right now. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Guy turned in right. video game type efforts against Clemson and Miami. I mean, stuff that you you yeah. do in a career mode or something like that. Just insane. So, uh, do you remember in video games when they had like no offsides? So you literally couldn't jump offsides and your guy would be running full speed. You could speed, just sprint. Like, sprint I guess an invisible wall. Yes. I do. And then, like, like, so you'd be full speed at the time of the snap, which is pretty cool. Right, I, I do. Yes, I uh, do remember that. Leonard Warner uh, could be the key, by the way, to the. <laughs> According to uh, Ryan McGuire here in the chat, he, uh, he he mentions Leonard Warner is is still there. Yep, that is correct. He is. Uh, I is he going to be a doctor? Like, like, are we going to call him Doctor Warner? He's, he's been around for so long. He's got to have a PhD or close to it, right? He's got to he's got to leave with a couple titles next to his name, certainly. Um, yeah, good a good kid by all counts, hard worker, uh local also a local Atlanta kid here or metro kid, but uh yeah, that was a that was a funny sense of humor from both of you guys on that one. Uh, all right. Uh so the last one that I had here Renardo Green will be FSU's other corner. So as we continue our like let's not get lost in the in the hype and madness of uh of a couple days of practice i i think i said that i thought uh az thomas would be a starter by like game five or six uh i i might have undersold the kid you know i, I might have I, I think he's i don't think he starts in game one and i don't think you throw him out there against lsu unless he's just well we'll see unless he's Jalen. oh yeah unless he's Jalen. 
Uh, but I think he starts. I would. I think he starts against Louisville, but I, I seriously think this a kid's a starter by game three. Um, okay. Hey, throwback question here. I was at a meeting the other night, and I ran into a guy who was on Jimbo's staff for that thirteen team, and we were talking. And I couldn't remember the kid's name other than his last name, I think, was I think it was Hunter. He was a Georgia kid. He had really good high school tape, and then he had the neck thing. Remember? The Valdosta kid. Yeah. Yes. What the hell was his name? Because neither of us could remember. And it was like, that guy was a good player. And that was the reason. Like That was why Jalen started. Him getting hurt. Yeah. Him getting hurt was the reason Jalen Ramsey started from day one. Remember? Yeah. Uh, I, maybe the I, chat remembers Tyler that. Hunter. His Tyler dad, Hunter. His dad was a hell of a wide receiver at uh, UGA, if I recall correctly. Uh, good, you know, a lot of athletes in the family. And Tyler Hunter was a Tyler Hunter before the neck injury was a hell of a player. Really yeah. was. His, his high school tape was ridiculous. It, it was it was better than um, than Greg Reed's. Mm-hmm. Well, different on defense. It was better. Greg Reed. Yeah. Greg Reed carried the ball. And well, and there's a running back in that wing tee or whatever lounge ran at the time. Greg was just you know. Sweep left, sweep right with two lead blockers. I mean, Sky, think about Greg Reed just returning punts, but at that being your offense. Uh, so, uh, anyway, good I times. mean, I guess my point is Jalen Ramsey would not have started game one as a freshman had Tyler Hunter not gotten hurt. Now, look, I'm not saying this team has – first of all, I'm not saying AZ is Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey is probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Um. And I'm not saying this team is as talented as that team because it is definitely not. I'm, I'm, like you're not going to change my mind on that take. But it is there is something to say here for the fact that like coaches do tend to start guys who have some experience. You know, see, look, that's why we brought it up because Timmy in the chat was like, I didn't know that Jalen wasn't going to start as a freshman. You know, yeah, like I think eventually he could have won the job, but like he was not lined up to be, you know, uh their starting safety. Remember, he was a backup corner, and Jalen actually played safety as a freshman because Tyler got hurt in the opening game, which was uh I, I think was that the was that the year they played was it Nevada or did they play Idaho? Idaho was later that year, right? That was the that was the uh um I forgot. Yeah, they played no, Nevada, but when Nevada game two? Wasn't Pitt game one of that year? Yeah, but 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 J- didn't Jalen play in game one? Yeah, yeah, he did. He had right. an interception remember, in game one. Trying to remember who I got hurt correctly. in game one that he played, or was somebody suspended? Because mm. didn't Demarcus Walker play in that game too? Because somebody was suspended. That I'm not sure about. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I it's a long God, it's almost ten years ago. Uh, but yeah, look, it wouldn't shock me if. Uh, yeah, Aaron Donald was also on that pit team. So a, a lot of future Rams role winners were, were in that game. <laughs> I just don't think you keep this kid off the field if he can be assignment sound at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I Also, like among guys that I think internally they were like, will this kid transfer, right? Is he here long term? Uh, you know, Jones is not having a terrible camp. Now, that is very much a show me, not not tell me thing, right? Like, I want to see that in games before I believe any of this. 100%. 100%. But there are some guys on this team who, in prior years, would have said it the same thing. Like Akeem Dent, who mm-hmm. was constantly hurt 
and didn't play to his full potential. And then last year when he finally got healthy, he played pretty damn well, you know, well enough that SEC teams were trying to buy him away. So, you know, like that's, I think they may have more pieces here than just AZ to fight Renardo for that spot. Yeah, and that's great. It's great to hear that Jones has emerged, and and I've heard that from enough people that uh, I, I'm going to echo that I have to see that in a game before I fully believe it, but it, it is a kid that's turned in a string of solid practices in a manner that I'm not sure he has previously before. So, uh, P.J. Williams is. hurt? P.J. Williams was hurt. That's how Jalen got the start in game one, and then he moved to safety permanently against Nevada. Yeah. Idaho was the team they scored like 80 against. And that was, uh, wasn't that Petrino's brother coaching that team? That sounds, that sounds right. I remember that was the game. Like they had all the, all the locusts that would not get off, off the glass in the press box. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I can't, I might as well go home. First of all, Idaho is not slowing down. Like they're still trying to throw the ball when they're down 70. I'm like, please just run the damn ball in the game. Like this is, we call this a gentleman's agreement. Like we're not going to try to blitz you. You're not going to try to keep scoring. We don't need to, you know, a a five hour game against Idaho. This is ridiculous. Like, take your check and go home. And yeah. All right, tangents. Like, how how do we transition out of that? Yeah, good question. Good question. We've got some uh, listener questions to go to here, uh, and we'll we've got a decent amount of them, so we may save some for uh, a first of next week's show, or as we get in. A lot of it's we've got. We've got about three quarterback-focused uh, recruiting uh, questions that we'll start off here with. Uh, before we do, we'll thank our friend Matt Lewis at Congruity and uh, just want to acknowledge the level of leadership that he's uh, given us as far as a sponsor and, and uh, assistance and love working with him personally with our business. And then uh, he's also helped with payroll with uh, the company that I work for now. Uh Two more people recently asked me uh, for introductions. Uh, one was on LinkedIn, really promising. I hope ultimately uh, everything, both of them work out for people. But I'm more than happy to serve as a third party and brief introduction uh, for you and Matt if you have an interest, whether it be HR, payroll, uh, anything out there that you think a third party can help you uh, achieve a more optimized, more functional, uh, fully functional business. Reach out to me, reach out to Matt. I'd love to put you in touch, but it's congruityhr.com is the website. And uh, you can either email us or reach out to me on LinkedIn if you're interested in a a third-party introduction. But thanks to Matt and Congruity. All right. Let's just listen to questions. I I feel like this is a, I don't know, I I like the concept for tonight's show. I hope the listeners liked it okay. And then after this, we're going to jump into our season preview mode, which, you know, because they play a game. Yeah, it's coming pretty soon, man. Coming quick, the the uh, the twenty seventh. Uh, first long. question here comes from Michael, and he says, "Bud uh, and Ingram, where would Jeff Sims as a recruit sit in this year's uh, quarterback class? Would he be more highly rated than Chris Parson, uh, or worse than Glenn, uh, as another historical reference, uh, Sam Powell? But if if Jeff Sims was a twenty twenty three Quarterback recruit, where do you think you would fall in the rankings? Yeah, I I think I like Jeff uh, more than I like Chris Parson. Um, with Brock Glenn, you can see, I think, the throwing ability potential 
is higher than than what Jeff had, probably. Uh, but Brock also has a low floor. He has you know quite a bit of of, uh, of development to do, which of course is why I said on the last show before he committed to Ohio, Ohio State, but we all knew what was going to happen once Ohio State gave him the green light. Like I don't blame the kid for going there. If you're FSU, you'd be like, hey, you know, we're still open if you want to come here this year, but also we'll see you in two years, right? Because of the quality of player Ohio State is signing. Like think about the NIL stuff and and the, like think about what Ohio State is doing with the next kid in that class. There's some messages and sort of reading the room uh, that could happen there if you want to realize where you're likely to play at. But you know, I, I can't blame Brock Lynn for going there. Um, I think he has a higher upside throwing the ball than uh, than Jeff did. You know, Sam Howell was very productive, <clears throat> excuse me, very productive in, in high school. He was a good prospect. He also did not turn out to be a first rounder. Everybody projected him to be after after his uh, his sophomore year at North Carolina. Where, where did he go? Fourth round? Uh, yeah, I think he was a third or fourth round pick. Uh, round, oh, no, round five. Nope. So, I mean, look, the the size concerns there were were legitimate. I think that's something that we you know discussed at the time, right? Uh, yeah, pick 144. Uh, and he went to what team to is Washington? He? Okay. Um, you know, look, I don't, Sam Howell's a good prospect. He was on an earth shattering prospect. He was in a very good offense for one year at North Carolina, and I thought he played his butt off this last year, right? Like he just didn't have a, a, nearly as much around him. Um, but no, a lot, a lot of a uh, lot of draft guy. This is another thing, by the way. Don't pay it damn like bit of attention to these these mock drafts early in the year these are largely trash there's a couple out there actually there's a guy on espn uh, named jordan reed who i think does a really solid job i, I looked at his list and use that and pick out five or six guys be like if you ever saw these dudes in person and weren't sitting behind a computer just you know writing about them you'd immediately realize oh that's not a first round nfl body at tackle or like that's that first rounders look different you know, and if you saw them in person, you would know. Now, they get them right once they get to the senior bowl and are like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I see the kid I was writing about nine months ago ain't really that good, or physically wise. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's actually an interesting comparison from from uh, from Broderick in the chat. He says, Sam Howell is to North Carolina what Taj Boyd is to Clemson. I think Sam Howell carried that team more than Taj Boyd did. Like, Taj Boyd had some studs around him. Didn't he have uh didn't he have Hopkins? Yeah. To yeah. To? Sammy and and Nuke. Yeah. yeah. Watkins I mean, and Hopkins is a pretty yeah. combo. I mean, it was pretty pretty decent dudes. Yeah, that was the beginning of, of Clemson getting serious about things. Um but yeah, no, I mean they the they physically of a similar kind of stature and uh yeah, I, I think I think Hal probably would have been a higher draft pick had he had he gone out uh had he been able to declare earlier, uh, I don't think he did himself a whole lot of favors this year. You're right. He played his tail off, but uh, didn't have great tape. And well, anyway, Sam Howell, good luck to him. Uh, all right. So next question about quarterback recruiting is about old Ricky Collins out of Baton Rouge. Ricky writes, Ricky Collins claimed the University of Purdue, LOL, into contact with him. And that's why he decommitted. I don't believe uh, everyone on 
Uh, I don't believe anybody on Purdue's football staff ended all contact with their committed four-star quarterback recruit. However, I think this might be a subtle way to reference that NIL-related Purdue's NIL backers told him and his team that uh, they don't have any more than they can make on their best offer. Am I completely off base, and is this perhaps the new normal for trying to read deeper into recruiting? Um, So, look, I mean – we have had, it's not a new normal because kids have always said things like uh, they haven't shown me as much love. They stopped showing me love. Right. So that's not, that's not different, but we've, we've seen that for a good while. Um, I don't know that this is specifically about what Purdue did or didn't do with his NIL. There's a lot of times I know some NIL stuff and I got to couch it correctly because I don't want to get a kid in trouble. In this case, I, I literally don't know. Okay, it wouldn't surprise me if this, if this was NIL related, but it also it's LSU, your hometown school. It's it's cool to be like, hey, Purdue found me first. They showed me the love. They they showed they believed in me. But again, it it's LSU or Purdue. It, it's not really much of a choice if you live in Baton Rouge. I, I wouldn't think unless you really want to get out of town. But Ricky brings up a good point. I, Here's something I want to bring up, by the way. I, I This is a tangent. I know we're going a little bit long. I apologize. We will get to all the questions tonight, I think, unless unless there's a second page of these. Uh, and there is. Okay, well, we're going to have to go fast. Actually, I'll, I'll hold that thought for, for later because it's something I want to discuss more long-term about uh, distribution of talent and how I think NIL actually could could cause the distribution of talent to actually spread out more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, almost tied to the uh... – Avery conversation Stewart. out of the defend, yeah, the Avery Stewart conversation yeah. that we had earlier as well. So, uh, sure. Connor uh, asks, uh, any chance they turn up the heat on Emory Williams, the Miami quarterback commit uh, from Milton High School? I think they should. I think I think Emory Williams is uh, a better looking prospect than Brock Glenn or Chris Parson. So he's in he's in the panhandle. Uh, I I like the kid a lot. I know other coach. I know other coaches who liked him a lot too. I mean, he, he doesn't play at a, you know, super popular high school there, at Milton. But uh, you know, I, I I know some other staffs in the state at the G five level were really hoping that Miami did not offer the kid. So I, yeah, if if I was FSU, I would circle back around on him. I don't know that I would offer any of the guys who came to the Seminole Showcase personally. I, I I think if if I don't get like an Emory Williams, maybe just go portal hunting. You've done a good job with it. You, uh, <laughs> you've, you've shown that you're not uh, not shy about jumping into the portal. So, uh, all right. So, moving on to non-quarterback recruiting related questions here. Traveling snowman, always a, a creative name to be found in our Patreon supporters, uh, <laughs> says, "Can you guys provide an update on players that we haven't heard much about? For example, Sam McCall, Travis J, Demore Tate, George Wilson." And Rod Orr. So I would, I'd carve out Sam McCall from that bunch. I mean, I, I wouldn't get too concerned because you're not hearing Az Thomas type stuff about a, a kid that's, uh, you know, just been on campus for but a couple months. So uh, it, uh, I, I almost want to have a, a different conversation with Sam and the other guys that he lists there. Travis J. I, I talked to a, a good friend of mine, a guy that uh, has seen, I believe, every practice so far, and I don't want to steal his content or thoughts, but 
he basically just told me that, you know, Jake has continued to be in position on some plays, but has never like the light, the switch hasn't flipped on Jay being in position to Jay making plays. And that's not like a, I'm not, that's not an intelligence comment on him or anything like that. It just, the, the football player that we see and you see in high school and stuff, it just hasn't materialized as a defensive back. And that's, that's unfortunate. You can never fully write a kid off of his talent, but he has had the whole injury stuff and like a lot of home life stuff outside of his control. Like he's a kid I legitimately feel bad for, yep. you know, yep. just things outside of his control. That's not to say like he hasn't done it, like that. He's done everything perfect, but some guys have much harder obstacles to overcome that are outside of their control. And I, I, I think he's, I think he's one of those. And, uh, you know, man, like, honestly, I don't know that, that it wouldn't do him a bit of good to get, you know, to, to get out, out outside of driving distance for Madison, mm-hmm. yep. you know, just get, get somewhere where you can really focus on ball. I don't so know. Long, long been a thought of mine as well. So Demory uh, Tate, um, I, I, I don't think anything's ever going to happen there. Um, he just had a lot of injuries. I don't know that he's the same athlete that he was back in the day. Right. Um, he was a freak athlete coming out of, coming out of high school here in Orlando, but I I, I don't think he, he's got that same juice anymore. Sam McCall, I agree with you. I just don't think he's quite as college ready as AZ. I still think he has a very high ceiling. George Wilson, like, uh, I would say George Wilson, more of a challenging acclimation to the college lifestyle. Okay, and came in at 185 pounds. So whatever he was listed as um, at a high school, he came in much lighter than that, which basically takes whatever projection you have for him and you, it bumps it back like a year at least. Rod Orr, um, I didn't hear great things about the consistency of intensity in year one. Now, here's the thing. Not everybody is going to acclimate to the college lifestyle the same as the other guy. Some guys are going to take a little while longer to acclimate than others will. So you can't write off Rod Orr, right? You, you can't write off George Wilson. And he's getting bigger. He just, George Wilson's probably a guy who's more like, a, a, if he stays on the roster, maybe he gives you something redshirt junior, redshirt senior, right? Uh, and with Rod Orr, it's, do you take it seriously every day? We said the same thing about Jared Jackson for how many years? That's exactly what, what Louisville told us, right? When we, when we asked guys over, over there, it's like, well, there's a reason we took him out of high school. We thought he was very high ceiling, but can you be consistent? You know, hey, you know, you're having a, a nice live day when you're getting all the, um, uh, you're getting all all the adult content spam in the in the <laughs> chat section. So uh, we'll have to put some some more filters on that. Sorry about that, guys. Unless you are, I guess, into that, then free advertising uh anyway so yeah with rod or i wouldn't write him off but i don't think he's going to be in a position to help you this year and that is a disappointment given how, how high they were on him i think they're still high on him long term short term it's not uh it's not probably going to happen this year yeah which is you know all just the reason why you just got to get in the habit of signing a lot of quality at the offensive line. It helps improve the other pieces. 
and it helps make sure that if somebody's going to end up playing, it's because they've earned it. So, um, George Wilson, Ron Orr, awesome. Okay. Avery asks, our DB room is a great mix of vets that are nominated for accolades and a young core of athletes that have proven their worth slash earned their stripes. With all that being said, what's your best guess as to why our staff uh, <laughs> is trigger happy and green lighting our last three DB commitments, the two 23s and one transfer year war rental that won't arrive on campus for another couple of weeks? Uh, doesn't seem to be the best plan, in my opinion, but I could be wrong, says Avery. All right, so uh, first of all, the DB they just took from Jacksonville State. I love the take because it means they cannot offer another walk-on caliber tight end scholarship, all right, which they've already done a couple times. So, like, I, I God, that tight end room's a joke. All right, uh, so I don't mind that take at all. Quindarius Jones was one of the best players at Elite, at elite Camp, and – is one of the players that I think the staff would tell you is underrated. They really think this kid's pretty good. Now, I don't know if that means he's going to be a backer or a safety or a corner, probably a safety. But, yeah, I, I I think that they – I don't mind that take at all. Jabir Rawls, it, it – Maybe they like, yeah, and, and Quadarius Jones is the kid out of Mississippi. He's rated uh, 858 in the country right now. If I had to say somebody was, was like, underrated, and again, I do trust our guy doing Mississippi a lot. I think you'll see these guys even more going forward. But, like, he's a guy who's worked in pro evaluations for a long time. So, like, he's not just some writer that we're having slap ratings on things. Like, we, we've really invested in our rating staff. But – FSU got him on camp. They got him. They got him in the catapult. They, they they got his GPS testing data. They saw the size. They think they can develop him. I think they have a plan for him. I I, I trust their evaluation there. I, I see what they're doing. Which a real wall, or, you know, Rawls? I, I think it's fair to question. Like, would they have taken this kid uh, if they felt better, or if they got Avery Stewart? Right? How good do they feel about Kirkland, the the corner slash? I think probably more safety. Out of Jacksonville. I mean, Kentucky likes him a lot too, right? How much does Kentucky like him? Where does he fit at on your board? Risingspear.com, right? That's that's kind of key. So I, you know, Avery, I understand your question. I don't hate using your final scholarship on another DB piece if you feel like you need it, especially if you think some of the guys in the DB room could be like late transfers or something like that. Um I don't, I don't. I don't hate it. Rawls is the one that maybe you'd question a little bit. Bobby says last year Dilly said the offense can either be explosive or consistent. We were explosive in small doses, and the offense struggled to find a rhythm um, in most games. With an improved O line, wide receiver core, and Jordan getting the majority of first team reps, does the offense become more explosive or consistent this year? With Atkins as the OC, I feel like the run game will be able to put us in more manageable third downs. So I think this goes back to one of our prove me wrong questions or, 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 you know, change my mind questions. Last year, Jay Sean Corbin was stuffed on 20% of carries. Treshawn Ward, 19%. Um, McKenzie Milton, wow, 35%. That, that, that feels uh, like, 
like a lot. DJ Williams, 30%. Well, he was our preferred choice on many a QB sneak, but <laughs> so I think that's probably where that stat comes from. Yeah, I, I need to filter out QB. Or should I filter out QB sneaks? However, I wouldn't. Jordan, no, the, the faith was there. Uh, that's true. Uh, Jordan Travis, however, uh, only 13%. So good things often happen. Uh, I think FSU will do a couple things better this year. I think that they will be, I think they will have their stuff rate reduced overall. I do. I, I think that's, that's a fair expectation. Last year, they were 82nd nationally in stuff rate allowed. That feels almost low. Okay. They were 130th in the country in short yardage success rate. So that is one to two yards needed to pick up a first down or touchdown. Ingram, I have a prediction. I do not think that they will go backwards. They will definitely not be worse because that you could be you could go worse. By the way, there's 131 teams this year because James Madison has joined the uh, the, the Sun Belt, uh, but I don't think they're going to go backwards. They were extremely explosive rushing the football last year. Their passing game was an absolute joke. I mean, they they were one of the worst passing teams in the country. I think they will stay ahead of the chains a little bit better this year because I think the run game. I think the run game will have fewer negative plays. So to answer Robbie's question, yeah, like, I'm not in love with this receiving core. I think that Winston Wright was the guy that, like if they had Winston Wright healthy, I might say this is an eight-win team. And they could still get to eight wins. We don't know. Like I said the other night, they could go three and nine. They could go 10 and two. There's There's a huge potential variance here. But I do think the offensive line should get more push in, in a lot of situations. And it should set up a little bit better, you know, manageable third down. So, like, to give you guys some some other some other stats here. Uh, FSU was 121st in average third down distance faced. That's to Kenny's point. Kenny was correct about this. They had to try to hit their explosive plays on early downs with play action and tricking people. Right? They didn't in passing downs, they were not particularly good at actually passing the ball and dropping back and doing it. Now they did trick some people at times, you know, but yeah, I, I think they'll be, I think they will be better on a down to down basis this year. Final question comes from Sean. Sean says, what game on the schedule do you believe would have the largest consequence or be the biggest swing game when winning a game like LSU or NC state have a boost that's bigger than just a plus one in the win column. LSU to me is the big one. Um, the games early in the season matter more than the games late in the season when it comes to recruiting. You know, if you listen to the stories, like listen to Danny Cannell and Danny Warfel talk about some of the receivers they were trying to get to commit to them at the time and how like the whoever won that game that year, it did seem like it had an impact. I think if Florida beats FSU – or FSU beats Florida has very little impact on recruiting in this given year. Now the following year, maybe, but because it happened so close to signing day, most of these kids are sewn up, you know, it was just different, man. There were kids back then. A lot of kids wouldn't schedule their official visits until after the season. I mean, it right. would, it was just a different calendar. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Um, LSU for me is the one I think you need to get. If you want to have maximum impact, if you don't, I think you need to get Louisville. I think if you start one and two, well, what, what did we start off the show with? 
I predicted that if uh, if FSU has a winning record at the time that Hakeem commits, then he'll be committed to FSU. You know, um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that LSU is probably the one. Is there a NC State is one that I think would would be overrated. NC State's getting a lot of hype in the media. Probably most of it justifiable. But, you know, I'm I'm not I don't think kids I don't think kids get in that hype, right? No, they're, I don't think they're like, really. oh my God, you beat NC State. Right. I don't really right. care. It, it, LSU's a bigger brand. Yeah, it's it's LSU or Louisville. I mean, it, it's I, I might have I might have Wake Forest as number three, just because you're. I think you're going to beat BC, and if if you could come back and grab Wake, it puts you at being. Can you imagine podding about a a program that's four and one, Bud? I mean, that would. Be, How about five and zero? Oh? Yeah, five and four, five four and zero oh would, would, would be, be preferable, certainly. Yes, and. I'll buy my Trey Benson ver- jersey for that too. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, I will. Let's 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 just not start off over September and uh, and po- be podcasting in October about the actual season that we're still watching and uh, and not extrapolating two, three, four years down the line. So uh, here's to it. I do. We we've got a week to talk about preview and position previews and everything else, but. Uh, I do think that this year will be a much more enjoyable experience for everybody involved uh, for that reason, if nothing else. So, uh, but Timmy says, I don't see how everybody's hyping Louisville when they lost their best receiver to Alabama. They, they did lose their best. Well, at least their fastest receiver to Alabama. I think you can debate if he's the best kid. Um, Malik Cunningham's a pretty damn good quarterback. That's going to be one of the absolute best offensive lines that you faced. It should be the most improved defense in the conference and so far, Scott, Scott Satterfield has absolutely ate Adam Fuller's lunch for the non-garbage time quarters that he's faced him. Like FSU has had been no answers for that offense two years in a row. It it will be Louisville Super Bowl in Louisville on a Friday night. That's why. Like it's all the pressure on the world on Adam Fuller to figure out a way to get stops because up until the point where you hit garbage time. They have absolutely no answers for this offense so far. Like people can be like, "Oh, they had answers in the second half," and I'm like, "Okay, I'm not fighting this fight every week." I, I think Louisville just kind of sh- shut it down. Um, but yeah, like so far they have totally torched you as a defensive staff two years in a row. So that's that's why like you have to take Louisville seriously. Yeah, he. Right, like in the comment section, you're pointing out Cunningham ran for 1,000 and threw for, for almost 4,000. He's not bad. Scott Satterfield's a pretty good coach. Like they, he coached App State when they were when they were winning the Sun Belt quite often. Like that's not a super hard league, but you know Napier got the Florida job off doing that. So mm-hmm. at, at yeah. Louisville, yeah. We'll see, man. This is uh, this year's going to be be a whole lot of fun the fact that i think you've got a, a decent unit that uh, you'll get off to some kind of start and yeah if you could if you grab two of the first three that would be preferred interesting that game that they play against ucf the week before um that's just uh an oddly well, scheduled week two game there very uh they also play they got a weird other one too man uh let me see if i can find this not as weird as georgia tech 
but and not as weird as Arkansas. Did you see what Arkansas has? Mm, mm-mm. I know I'm bouncing all over the place here. So as I pull up Louisville's schedule, um, Arkansas has has a random like October road game at BYU. Yeah. So Louisville's got the um UCF USF and JAMU. The previously James Madison's gets its second Nolcast reference today. Uh but that is Wait, an interesting That's conference. what Louisville has? Am I looking at the wrong Yeah, no, I think it might be last year's. I have them at Syracuse at UCF host FSU. Yeah, I'm just saying they're out of conference. It's South Florida, JAMU, and UCF. USF. Yes, okay, correct. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. We're hey man, we've been together for 10 years and and, and we still we still make mistakes. I uh but like okay, so interesting point here, I think. Schrader's a pretty good runner for Syracuse right, at the quarterback position. And Syracuse has a very good back in Sean Tucker. UCF might be starting John Rice Plumley, who FSU fans probably remember was recruited back in the Kendall Bryle days and or Bryles days. And he went to Ole Miss. He played quarterback for one year under Ole Miss in one of the more ridiculous live betting games I can ever recall, the Ole Miss LSU game of 2019, when at one point they were hanging Ole Miss plus 49. I was like, okay, that's uh you got to take that. However, that was under Rich Rod running that offense, I believe. And once Lane got in there, they moved the kid back to receiver. Kid wants to play quarterback. He transferred to UCF. I guess my point here is FSU is going to have about eight quarters of very mobile quarterbacks against this Louisville defense to see what this Louisville defense will do with them. Now, maybe they will see this Louisville defense is much improved, which I think it probably will be. Uh, and it, it's playing mobile quarterbacks very well. It obviously faces one in its own its own camp. However, there's a chance that they see some cracks in the armor or some things that they want to try to to exploit. And that's also uh, is that right that they're they don't have a buy before this? Like I, I know FSU has, has time off before it. Uh, no, Syracuse, UCF, Florida State, three three games in three weeks. If you and can the, get that the UCF one, that, that and. UCF is a Friday night game as well. Interesting. I'm going to be very interested to see how how the cards do at Syracuse. I I think they'll beat them. Mm-hmm. But they're the spread's only like two. So Vegas likes Syracuse a lot more than I do. All right, man. Unless there's anything else out there, I think this has been a good uh, 75 minutes or so here that we've turned minutes. in. Gosh, that's too many. Oh, always enjoyable. Always enjoyable. So thank you to the sponsors. Thank you to the supporters of the podcast, whether they be Patreon or uh, the people that we've had join us in the chat tonight. Uh, very much appreciated and help push the show forward. We will be back with something here for you, one more show, and then I think we'll fall into our preview series, or maybe the preview yep. series is is uh, what is next. But as always, thanks for the support. We've uh, officially made our way through summer and are into talking about guys wearing pads, which is uh, pretty cool. So until next time, for Bud, myself, everybody else, we'll talk to you next week. See you, buddy.